0: All right. One size fits none. Today's conversation with Keith Waller was phenomenal. Now, Keith is a bit of a hero for me. I I still hold my man card. I have no problem saying that. Uh, Keith and I have been good friends for, I don't know, six or seven years, maybe more, maybe less. Uh, But that's not what's important. Uh, man, he's a hero. One, he served our, in our military, served our country very honorably for a very long time. But the reason that he's a bigger hero for me is he also did that in the Special Forces. He's the kind of guy that can kill you with this thumbnail, but he somehow makes you feel good about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we're going to have a church planning podcast um, about how to build the church and reach people and grow people, and mobilize and you know all those kind of things. But it's coming from a guy who spent multiple mm-hmm. tours in Afghanistan doing – dangerous thing and making unbelievable unbelievably difficult decisions on, on my behalf as an American. And I just I thought I thought it was a really
1: a really good time, right? Yeah, I he mean, talked about training trainers oh, in the gosh. military and how that yeah. carries over to church planting. Get out of here, man. Come my on. favorite was the worship night that people- <laughs> That he was told not to do, yes. and he did it anyway, and uh, <laughs> and how that turned out. So and he,
0: I, I'm glad we did the podcast just so he could say I was right. And then listen, <laughs> I, I, that's all I cared about today. So anyway, hey, Keith Waller, follow him on Instagram, keith.a.waller. You can find that in the show notes, uh, Church. He's the pastor of New Life. They've been going for a little bit. But uh, Keith is a guy that looks 29, uses a lot of essential oils evidently, but he's been married 20 years. So there's a lot this man can teach us. Lean in, take some notes. You will be required to rewind a few times in this episode because he's got that – I feel like that much insight uh, across multiple uh, levels of his life. So anyway, pay attention, Keith Waller. Hey everyone, producer Justin here. And before we jump into today's show, Anthony wanted to ask you all a quick question. Would you like to become more effective as a leader? I'm sure like me, your answer was yes. And one of the best ways to become more effective is to have a coach in your corner, not just cheering you on, but someone who will challenge your thinking, draw out your best and give you tools to build success in your sphere of influence. Well, let me tell you that Sweb is who you need. Sweb has spent the best part of two
1: decades building leaders, teams and churches all around the world. I've personally had the privilege of seeing him work with the executive team of my church. And my church thinks better, works
0: more efficiently and is healthier thanks to the coaching of Sweb. So head over to stephenpweb.com for more information and to get on his calendar for a quick call right now. It's that simple, and I promise you, you will not regret it. Well, thanks, Anthony. So helpful. Obviously, a shameless pug for our good friend, Sweb. But with that being said, let's get straight into this episode. Sweb, take it away. Keith Waller um, is um, is a good friend. I've known you for a little while. I'll let you kind of go into all that. We're going to make a really nice pretty intro for you probably and you know uh, communicate all the legends that you have uh your name's on many walls I'm sure and you have you know plaques and things and I'm sure you have world (laughs) records of runnings and and whatever sort of activities you're good at so we'll get all all into that at some other time I want to just jump right in and with the obvious stuff of man tell us where you came from before you became a church planner. Everyone listening knows this is a church planner podcast. This is a story about yeah. church planners. We'll get to that. So, but introduce us to your wife, obviously, and your family, but then also where you came from in the, I guess, what would you say, 14 years before this? I, I want to know all that stuff.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, the journey to ministry and church planning is probably a little more unconventional than most um, but yeah, I am married. Uh, me and my wife Heidi, we celebrate 20 years married in November. Whoa. So wow. that's a big, a big milestone. Um, we got married when we were 18 and 19. I do not suggest that. Wait, and is I that a that, real, really 18 and 19? I was 18. She was 19. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, listen. If people aren't looking, if they're not watching this on YouTube or something, like Keith, you look 29. Austin, okay. tell me I'm lying. Keith yeah. looks Good. 29. So yeah. if you've been married yeah. 20 years. Holy crap, bro.
2: This is crazy because someone just saw a picture of Heidi and I like way back when, and this was the comment they made. They were like, oh, Heidi, you look really great. And then they said something like, Keith, definitely is age. And I'm like, I've
0: lived <laughs> a rough life. I can relate to that. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I appreciate that. See,
2: I'm going to, can I record this and just have yes, a, no, on we'll, on a lonely
0: day? Put that on your resume. That's Okay. Fine.
2: All right. No. So we have three kids. Um, our oldest son, Brayden, is 14. Um, our middle daughter, Landry, is 12. And then our youngest daughter, Emery, is 10. Um so um yeah, it's great. Um we currently live in Apex, North Carolina, which is a I guess a suburb city right next to Raleigh, the triangle area, Raleigh Durham mm-hmm. area. Um but grew up in Michigan. So um from okay. Michigan, I guess I can still say that. I haven't been there in probably eighteen years, but no. um but You're Michigan was worried. yeah, we're not from Michigan anymore. <laughs> Until the lions are good. When the lions right. become good again, I'm happens. back. I'm and back. Jesus comes back, yeah, yeah it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> so I graduated high school and um, from high school, worked a little bit like a few months and then decided to go into the military. My dad was a, a police officer for 20 years outside of Detroit. And so I had this desire to go into law enforcement. And I was like, maybe at the like FBI level, local level, I didn't really know, but I was 18. I was like, the military seems like a good route. I can get college paid for, we'll be set. And so I went in, I was a military police officer for, it was a five-year contract. And like two and a half years into this five-year contract, I was like, I don't want to be a cop. Like this is boring. I don't like this. I don't enjoy it. Um, but during those two and a half years in the military, we didn't have kids yet, and um, Heidi and I were married. And I had deployed once to Afghanistan um, when we were stationed in Alaska, and I worked with Third Special Forces Group. We would typically do like convoy security or presence patrols, and, and some security for them. And I was like, well, these guys are kind of cool. Like they got beards. They seem to like each other. Like the culture, the culture That's was standard. cool. For yeah, that was that was what drew me in. And so. Um, Alaska, when we returned from the deployment, I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to selection for special operations. It was a 28-day selection process, which in the corporate and church world, I think that a lot that's a whole separate podcast because yeah, you can learn great. a lot. Wow. Um, I think 98% of people's problems when it comes to leadership and staff is in the selection process. So yes. went through that selection process. Um, and it really was, if I got selected, I was going to stay in. If I didn't, I had college money. I'd get out when my enlistment was over, and I don't know what I'd be doing today. But got selected, moved to North Carolina for about a year and a half to go through, continued training, became a weapons sergeant with 10 Special Forces Group. And at that point, it was like, this is it. This is what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to retire out of the military, and we're going to do this. So um, I probably spent, it was just about five years on an operational team, which is a 12-man team, Mm. That does everything together. Trains, eats, like everything. Like it's a family. Um, it's it's yeah. a great tight knit group. And so for about five years was in Germany with that crew deploying um, to different places in Europe as well as the Middle East. And then after those five years came back to North Carolina to be an instructor at, at the schoolhouse where um, some of the advanced skills are taught. Um, actually I, I brought you out there one day Swab remember mm-hmm. that back in the day that was Yeah that was we shot guns there.
0: dude it, it, shot I, I guns. felt tougher I got taller that day I lost weight that day my beard came in that day it was awesome <laughs> Yeah dude So
2: that that was a good break right like the op tempo yeah. over in Germany I think we were in Germany for 5 years and I was probably home oh, wow. with the family maybe maybe 14, 15 months of those those five years. So it was it was really exhausting, not great for the family environment. At that point, we had our three kids. So came back here as an instructor, more of a nine to five thing. We got we got really back into the church world and planted with a church uh, or kind of like in, ingrained with a church. And I just remember during that season, um, I really felt a strong... I grew up in the church world and, and kind of just always had a draw towards um, towards that kind of a thing and, and just the understanding. And so... It was at that point I remember vividly, like just a strong kind of impression and calling to, to go into ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I like was like I, maybe that's right. the plan to church. And so I remember vividly when I really had that. Heidi and I were kind of like open to it. We went on spring break um, with yeah. our kids to like Wilmington the next week. And you know how like when something's fresh in your mind, you're like Wilmington. This is where we're gonna plant. Like this is God's <laughs> called us to the beach. Let's do that's it. Right.
1: That's um, right.
2: But in my mind, I had another six years left in the military, so I was like, listen, I'm gonna go back to school um back to bible college and stuff like that i'm going to go to some conferences and different things and just kind of get immersed in that area and then when i retire out of the military then i'll step in
0: to ministry okay hang on okay yeah. so that's good i love that was a quick overview everybody caught up yeah. now we can go back in reverse so uh, i just got some quick quick like yeah. uh, quick hit questions one are, were your kids born here or were they interned with you
2: okay so my son braden was born when i was going through the qualification course for okay. special operations my daughter Landry, the middle child, she was born in Germany, so she's got dual citizenship. Like German okay. hospital, everything—it was yeah, yeah. a wild experience. And then um, my last year and a half in Germany, Heidi spent a majority of it back in Michigan with family. And so yeah. Emery, our youngest, was born in Germany. All of them spent a little bit of time in Germany, um, right. but really the oldest two. Yeah, the, the you're. Time.
0: You're, and again, we don't just spend a ton of time on this, but you're you're saying Germany is, in that's your base, but. You know, you're not doing a lot of military activity in Germany, right? That's just where you're kind of stationed out of, right? You're moving in and out from there. That's why you didn't see your family.
2: Yeah, correct. So Germany yeah, okay. was a battalion outside right. of another group that was just kind of, they call it forward deployed. So you're in Germany, right. but your whole right. family's there and it's just closer to a lot of different right. areas there that you can get to in and out.
0: Okay. Now let's get to the stuff that I feel like everybody really wants to know. All the people that yeah. don't have beards, like Austin's full beard or whatever. Like those, oh, yeah, that's a good beard. Normal people like me want to know these questions before <laughs> we get into all the Jesus stuff I meant. Yeah. So, so let me just recap what I think I heard you say. You you did do police? And then you did army. Yeah. And then you said, oh crap, I want to go next level in army. That's like the three set progression. Yeah. Like yeah. what what makes you think, hey, I want to go do something like that's really hard. Like what happened? Is it was it really just, hey, those guys look cool? Was it really just that? Because there's something in you that because you're a smart guy, bro. You're not 7 years old at the time going, "Wow, this will be great." You knew right. that there's pain and frustration and commitment involved in that. Is that <laughs> something you were born with? Is it something you just like? You just needed a challenge at the point? What makes you go to the next level and say, "Hey, I want to go get punched in the throat for the next month?" Like how do you decide that?
2: I think I think they like the experience the the outsider kind of experience that I had <clears throat> with like third special forces group over in Afghanistan before I made that jump. It was just seeing that they they embodied All of the things I liked and was drawn to when it came to the military, big army, big machine that I was involved in was kind of just, there was a lot of going through the motions and and Uh not really all Uh it was cracked up to be, right? Whereas Uh you looked at that and yes, you had all the stuff that you see in the movies and the cool things and that's neat. But like at the heart Uh of it, it was really that that kind of that community and that culture that they had created, Um, which even today I constantly am asking myself, like, how do we create that in the church? They have a better support and systems and all of those things. Um, right. and then honestly, when it, when it came down to like, okay, I'm going to go to do these 28 days, it really just came down to, can I do, it? I just wanted to see if I could do it I, really going into it. I was like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm probably 80% if I get selected while go, I just want to see, can I physically do this? So and that just might be ego at, at 20 yeah. something years old and just seeing like how far I could push myself before. No,
0: that's good. So look, you got to, now you got to let people in on that. Cause most people aren't going to nerd out on this like I am. So I'm just curious. And I mean, we have already talked about this, right? Yeah. Me and you have, and, and we've watched a couple of YouTube videos and TV shows or whatnot, but fill people in give them the, the, the short version. Like what is that 28 day process? Like how they, 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 I'm laughing because I know what you're thinking. As soon as I ask this question, they they've seen these <laughs> Navy SEAL movies. They've seen them all. Seen them
2: all. How many Green Beret yeah. movies have you seen? Zero.
0: <laughs> why quiet why is that? Why the quiet professional? The quiet I love professional. that. We're gonna get to that later, by the way. Okay, but but so they haven't. So they've seen the movie version of a, a sort of comparison, maybe a parallel to that. But give, yeah. give us a, give us a couple minutes on like what's that 28 day process look like, and how the heck did you make it through that?
2: All right, I'll start back to forward, and because yes. people have asked me like, "Hey, in those twenty-eight days, did they ask the question? Did you ever feel like quitting?" Yeah. And I don't answer them with yes or no. Like the answer is yes every day. Like it all was time. literally, you would wake up and I, it would be in your mind. You have like they call them cadre, they're the instructors who kind mm-hmm. of run it, but they're not really giving you any feedback. They're just there to kind of monitor things. So I'd wake up and be like, the mornings were the worst because you're like, "Oh, I got a whole day of all this crap that we got to go through," and I'm like, "You know what? I'm done." But then you'd be like, "Ah, we're about to eat breakfast." If I quit now, I don't know when they're going to feed us. So I'll get through breakfast. Like, let me get through breakfast. And then you go through breakfast and be like, okay, I feel okay. I can do the next thing. And it literally, like <laughs> you thought about quitting multiple times a day, but you just had wow. to take it not a day at a time, like a step at a time. Right. Um, and it's structured really well. Like it really, that's what, three and a half weeks or so. There's some in-processing on the front end, some out-processing on the back end. So you really have the first full week is a lot of um, individual physical application. Mm-hmm. Um, they, would, they would set you on a line and say, run. You don't know. It, it could be three miles. It could be 12 miles. They wouldn't let mm. you know. It was just, can you pace yourself and run at a pace, not knowing the end? Um, like mm. Rifle PT, I've written about this in a post or whatever. It's literally just, again, to divide people between understanding, like, will you quit even when you like continue to fail at, at what we're asking you to do? Or you just keep mm. going from failure to failure until you reach the end and, and stuff. So a lot of physical, um, individual things. Then the second week was all land navigation. Were you out for six days um, going from point to point. Um, it would take several hours to get from one point. Then you'd sleep at that point and then go to the next one and, and stuff like that. So that was land navigation. <clears throat> and then probably the most impactful week is team week, um, where they you have all these alpha-type males together. You, you get 15 of them, and you're on a team. And they give you two tires, a pole, a cart, six water cans, and some lashings, like some rope and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, you got to transport this from here three miles down this dirt road to here. And, and they put one guy in charge and then they say, go. And so it's this navigating of how well can you follow orders and be a leader as someone, a part of the team when you're not in a leadership position, stuff like that. So um, that week, and then it ends, the culminating event is a a 32 hour um, ruck march or a 32 mile ruck march. I'm sorry probably took 32 hours that's what it felt like um, and so that's kind of like the end thing and then intermixed with all that it's physical but it's also mental the in the sf world it's really like the complete man concept and so you'd get woken up at 2:30 a.m. they bring you into this classroom and they'd be like hey draw us a picture of what it means to you to be a special forces soldier. And you're like, what the heck are we doing right now? Like, <laughs> this is what, and you're drawing wow. a picture. And yeah. really, it's just, again, to keep you up, to kind of keep you thinking, write an essay about your childhood and, and what makes you, like, so all these things, like, like the mental side as well as the physical side to just kind of go through there. Um, mm-hmm. And then you probably, end. I'd say it's about a 30%. So there's one part where if you make it to the end is great. Probably 30 to 40% don't make it. They quit mm-hmm. at some point along the way but then you make it to the end and you get through selection, but now it's the selection process and another 30 to 40% don't get selected. So hmm. you're standing at about 30% who kind of make it through um, that final, those 28 days and then, and then move on.
0: Okay. So then you go through that. You're already a hero for a, a bunch of different reasons. And I, I mean that legitimately. So then, <laughs> th- then, then what happens after that? Um, like, Do you pick a place you get to go? Do you pick a skill that you're going to operate with? Like, you know, uh, again, I'm giving the dumb version of this, but like, oh, I'm going to either drive tanks, I'm going to fly helicopters, I'm going to be infantry. like, what happens after that whole selection process? Are you now assigned, like you said, to a team, but then what do you do?
2: There's, um, so a team is made up of 12 guys. Um, You have a team leader, a team sergeant um, a warrant officer and then an Intel guy, but then you have four jobs, uh, two guys, you have a senior guy and a junior guy. So like I was a weapons Sergeant, there was two of us on a team. Um, there was a communications, um, two guys, medics, and then engineers. Um, so you get to, you get to choose and select kind of, and again, all of this stuff that they're pulling in all this data throughout those 28 days kind of show them where you're, you would be best fit, but you get to have a say in that. So you pick right. your job then you get to pick um your group there's five different groups um across the the country and the world so you get to kind of have a say in your group but then your group dictates the language that you'll be trained in as like a secondary language so those are really the three mm-hmm. things that you kind of create your wish list that i'm sure they look at laugh at throw away and then do whatever they
0: want <laughs> right right okay oh uh, all right so we're going to get into church planning in just a second we're almost done i want to ask this too though i feel like and i'm going to butcher this uh I won't even say it. Then I'm just gonna ask. I feel like at some point you've told me stories though about what you actually did on maybe some of your deployments, and it was more of the diplomatic side of things. Um, you're teaching people in you know another country how to maybe operate government or um, yeah, or, or whatever. Like walk us through some of that real quick because again, people in their mind, I had this in my mind, and I'm, I feel like I'm a, I'm a nerd about these things. You know, you go through selection process, you just punch them in the throat the whole time, all the time, and um, and obviously you're a weapons expert. Um, And all of that kind of stuff. But then I remember you telling me a few stories about no, no, I was just go over there and talk and make friends with people and tell them how to be better humans, like kind of kind of bridge that gap.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good. That's a big that would be a distinction between whether it's the Marine Special Operations or Navy SEALs. They're going to be more direct action, boots on the ground, things like that. There are groups and times where Special, or special Forces Green Berets do that, and mm-hmm. there are specific teams that do that. But majority of the time, the, the thought behind Special Forces is the mindset of training the trainer. And so mm-hmm. in my time, I did, let's say, what, five deployments over to Afghanistan. So I got to see the genesis of that whole thing evolve. At the beginning, it was, we were over there doing everything with a handful of Afghan police or or their special operations. Um, And and you're starting the process of training them, working with them. We'd be also attached with um, a NATO partner. So like Romanian special forces would be with us. Yes, it was a combat mission, but we were also helping train them and and get them up to speed as well on on the NATO side. By the end of like my deployments, my last deployment resulted in really us setting up an entire mission getting all the Afghans together, getting them on trucks, sending them out. And then we would sit in our operational room, watching it on a drone, oh, yeah. them execute it, which was right. the most, the most satisfying but frustrating thing in the history of the world. Right, like <laughs> You're seeing them do it. You're seeing them mess it up. Now you're talking yeah, about church, bro. So, now you're talking about church leadership, right?
0: Yeah. Now. Yeah, you've empowered them to the point where you're like, this
2: is great. Oh, this is awful.
0: <laughs> I wonder if these hundred million dollar churches have drones. That would make my job a lot easier about two yeah. years ago. Um. Okay. All right. Okay. Now let's jump ahead. Let's jump ahead. I I feel like all that's great background. Like the the best phrase you just said, and I know you explained it a little bit there, but like, man, the training, the trainer, the fact that that's a focus. Yeah. It's not just some you know phrase that fell out of your mouth. Like it's a it's a focus of why you were trained to do what you did. And I love that, which is a perfect segue. Of course, that's why I want everybody to know a little bit of military background, because to me, I, I really feel like a lot of that, if not all of it, and you'll speak to it, like translates very well into you're leading people then you're leading people now yeah. uh, maybe there's a few less cuss words now than there was then yeah. obviously a little bit less blood a little bit fresh little equal if not more frustration but it's different kinds i get that but i feel like there's a lot of parallels so um before we jump into maybe the principles that you brought over now now give us like okay now you're doing the church plant um you know t- tell us how you got to where you are right now and again i know you spent some time me and you spent some time to get elevation Uh, and you've done other things, but kind of get us, get us up to date now of like how you started the church you're at right now.
2: Yeah. So again, my original plan was like, Hey, I'll retire out of the military, be set and we'll be good. And so then I'll go and I'll just plant a church. Like that'll be awesome. And thank God, like literally thank God that that didn't happen. Um, (laughs) When I, when I went to start looking at conferences, that's where I met you, Sweb. We went to a conference at Elevation. I remember we were sitting in Blakeney and like, we sat right next to you, right behind you. And you turned around and you're like, Hey, where are you guys from? We're like, Oh, uh, like Fort Bragg area Fayetteville. And you were like, Oh bro, you should plant a church right there. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then like, we were there for seven yeah. days. You guys know this? Sh- like Sweb just kept being everywhere. Like he was like that guy. Like, like, like I'm not, you know, like Mr. Deeds, you ever seen that movie, Mr. Deeds? Yeah. Batty, batty, right? batty, like, sneaky. Yeah, yeah, That was Sweb. Yeah. That was it. I mean, he wasn't creepy, but like it was, yeah, no. he was just always there. And so an opportunity opened up. I had been in for over 10 years. And when you're in for over 10 years, you're kind of indefinite, which means you can start the paperwork to get out. The military is like, yeah, you want to get out before you retire? Do it. It'll save us money and hassle and time. And so um, that was really uh, a big spiritual moment of faith and, and kind of stepping out to say, can can we step out now? Like we had our plan, but are we still submitting it to God to say, God, if, if you want us to, to step out now, um, we're willing to do that. So we stepped out and really got to be a part of two ministries, very different from one another. But I look back at it and in my mind, getting out of the military was – I guess you could say an experienced great leader, in my words, right? Like I had mm-hmm. the leadership abilities, but what I didn't know is I needed those four or five years in other ministries for God to really develop my character. Um, whether it's through right. successes, through failures, I had to I had to really grow as, as a Jesus follower. I had, I had to grow right. as a person and a mm-hmm. pastor um, in so many areas. While I was a great leader, I was really not. A great person when it came to a lot of these things, and so God used those years. Hang to on, hang
0: on, dude. That, that's really, really helpful. First of all, thank you for just saying I was a great leader, meaning you were first person. Because I don't think that's a bad thing to say. It's self awareness of so like I'm yeah. good at moving people. So thank you for that. Most people won't. It's like you're you have to in church world you have to apologize for being good at something, but we don't do that here. I don't believe in that. Um But I, but I also <laughs> love that contradiction, not contradiction, the tension you just created, essentially of like I was a great leader but I had plenty else I needed to learn. I was a good leader, but not good to people as a great leader. I could mobilize people, but character was a problem. And a yeah. lot of people think those are the same. Uh, we hear that all the time in every church, like, why, why do we like so-and-so? Oh, he's a really great leader. And then somehow this all encompassing yeah. phrase of all things, character, fitness, health, yeah. all the things, because we said the phrase great leader. So I love that you just pulled those out and separated them with really good self-awareness too.
2: Yeah. So it was, it was a huge part of kind of our process. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we got to a point, we were at a ministry where our kids went to school. There was a school, a church and like a daycare. And so I was running the ministries there, great salary, great office, great, like, like my wife worked at the school and my kids went to the school. So like, it was an awesome opportunity. Like I could walk down yeah. and see my kids in the cafeteria. Like mm. it was like great, but something was missing. And through kind of our journey, I, I kind of held on to that church planting dream For Heidi, for a while, I think she felt like, no, that was another season. We're good here. And we were both comfortable. And so the one thing I knew was that we both had to be on the same page. Like in my life, Mm -hmm. I – I, for less words, like I had drug Heidi from thing to thing, right? Like I drug her into the military. Sure. Life had to focus around ours. Then I was like, we're getting out and going to ministry. And so she just continued to kind of go. And I knew if, if planting a church was going to be sustainable, it had to be our thing. Like I couldn't, that couldn't be another phase. And so part of me like kind of was like, all right, this, this isn't it. And I just would continue to pray. Like God, either bring us on the same page or like, Hmm. take this away. Like just give Hmm. me contentment here where we're at. Um, And it was January of 2020, January of 2020. I remember i just preached two weeks in a row, you know, like when the senior pastor like, oh, it's the week after Christmas and New Year's. Right? Let's just have this dude <laughs> preach. So I got to preach those two weeks. And um, it was a Monday morning. She texted me. She's like, hey, I got to come up to your office. Um, she had just driven into work. And she sat down and she's like, hey, like, we got to do this. Like, if we're mm-hmm. going to do this, we need to at least pursue it. So we can say we're going to do it or not. <clears throat> and that was probably the most exciting season of our lives because like i just remember every night that week or for several weeks just sitting in our living room both on our computers researching domain names and values and this and like i'm i'm sure even austin you have that same kind of experience mm-hmm. maybe different but that first initial when the when the dream is fresh when the excitement's there and you're literally just in dream phase of of okay. going all through it so that was a, that was a big a big move
1: yeah you said that you were you were at that ministry for five years four or five years before no, you- i was
2: I was at uh, I was at elevation for two two and a half years, and then I was at that one um, about two years to the day, really, just two years. Mm. And even going in there, when we when we stepped into that, I think in our minds it was always knowing that was for a season. Um, right. Didn't know how long that season would be, but but just understood God was going to kind of use it to expose us to to a yeah. way of doing ministry in a different way and stuff like that.
1: So here's why I was asking <laughs> that is um, I'm curious when you when you moved into that ministry from elevation and maybe even at elevation. Um, it sounds like for a while you had this vision or whatever in your heart to plant a church, and so I'm just curious: is that something that you told your senior pastor or your leader, wherever? Um, hey, like I, I want to be here and learn, but I also feel like God's calling us to start a church one day, or is that something you kind of kept close to, close to yourself?
2: Um, it really, so when I stepped into Elevation, that was kind of it. Like when we walked into that, I thought, well, maybe this was it. Like maybe this is like the developmental process and this will kind of be down the line. When we transitioned and stepped in at, um, the next ministry at Grace is what it's called. Um, yeah, that was the conversation that we had of, Hey, I just, I just need to walk through some things in this season. Um, I I know I can bring value here. I know I can bring an asset, but also I'm going to allow God to kind of work through things and kind of stay open-handed. So I think we went into that relationship and that, that understanding um, of kind of seeing what that would be. Again, I didn't know if that was going to be two years or 12 years.
1: Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So was it, was it an immediate thing for you and Heidi for, for y'all to be after she came to the office and had that conversation with you? It was, was that just like the open door was like, freak. Yeah, let's go. Or did you need some time also to process that with her or what, what did that look like for y'all?
2: No, it really was. I think that was kind of the 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 gasoline on the fire that God used to kind of just ignite that and kind of take off. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing was trying to figure out, okay, what does that look like now, right? Like mm-hmm. where where do we plant? Like what do we what do we want to do and what, how does that process? Like I wish like I hear like Alan from Vivid Church, like here's story. Like great stuff. Like I wish we had that. Like I love first of all, I listened to Alan's <laughs> podcast and I was like, I need to resign tomorrow and become right. an usher on this right? <laughs> right, right. I think it was on it. But like yeah, like right, like he's like, Oh, we prayed about it, and we traveled, we opened a book and saw Jesus' face in the contour lines of a map on the city. Like right like like that Uber yeah. like spiritual side of things. Our our process was our kids went to school there and really it the the answer came out of a selfish prayer, right? Like mm. we both were like We got out of the military to give our kids some consistency. No, it's an oxymoron because now we're going into ministry and church planning, so like we have (laughs) to stay open-handed. But but maybe God maybe God will meet. Like maybe we can ask God selfishly to allow us to plant in an area. We live 30 minutes away from where our kids went to school in in Apex. We had lived there for six years, and so that was that was the prayer. Like God, would you give us an area close enough where our kids can stay here, plugged in at the school. Heidi can, can still work there, and we can we can do something for you. And so really, it went around. Um, hmm. Fayetteville was an option with the, the military ties. That's by Fort Bragg. Um, there was another city nearby about 15, 20 minutes called Fuquay Verena, which is like the best name at Fuquay Verena, <laughs> um, name. Yes. which is a, uh, a growing area that really has nothing um, when it comes to that type of church and things like that. And then the, the third one was not as sexy or exciting, but, but apex, like we had been there for six yeah. years. And so we thought, well, I don't know, like we've, built community and friendships. And so really the solidifying thing was we started talking to our neighbors and our friends who were close with us about what God was doing and where we were going. And all of them were like, that's awesome. Like, how can we be a part? That's awesome. How can we be a part? Like, how do, how do we get involved? And so we're like, hmm. I guess this is, I guess we're staying here. Like, I guess we have really already started planting a church five years ago when we just started building these relationships. So um, all those things kind of fell into place and, and, and right, up so nicely.
0: So now give us like put it on a calendar, put give us some chronological stuff, some practical things. Yeah. Like how does the trainer of the trainer, <coughs> Yeah, you're, you're a good leader, mobilizing people. You, you've done some stuff. You're quick, you're nimble, you know, you're all those things. So what then does that look like in let's say the three months leading up to, you know, church launch, if that's what you called it? How, how did this guy, this Green Beret, then mobilize people into more than just, that's cool. That's interesting. What can I do to, okay, let's go, let's do stuff.
2: Yeah. I was, I mean, <clears throat> I can get real practical. So that's, that's yeah. something that's a strength, which is great, like in the process. Yeah. And so that was kind of the breakdown. And again, because we had the, like, I think God knew my limitations, like for you, Austin, I wasn't, I wasn't parachuting into a place. I think God knew like, no, you would be awful at that. Like, that's not your thing, bro. <laughs> like you need to leverage the, the relationships that you already have and that you've built. And so like our first interest party, um, again, this is kind of in that we, we started the process and plan in January of 2020. March 2020 hits. Um, I remember my supervisor at that time, I worked at the church I was at until about August. And I remember him calling in the office being like, hey, like, it, are you still, like it was April. He's like, are you, you still wanna do this? We're about to make an announcement here at this church before yeah, we do mm-hmm. that. And I, I, maybe it was, I'll call it faith. It was probably me just being naive because I was like, yeah, this thing's over in like three weeks. I was like, yeah, what do you, <laughs> like, yeah, right, we're going. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, and, and we just kind of leveraged like our first interest party during that spring was at our house in our cul-de-sac outside and this is going to sound really exclusive but it was like invite only like we wanted to know the people that we already had relationships with like let's really give them the nuts and bolts of what's happening let's allow them to count the cost of what this looks like and kind of move forward and so there was about 35 people um, who came to that and 34, let's say, were like, we're in because they were already in. like wow. such high mm-hmm. relational equity. Obviously, was going to return as we continue to open it up. Then you <clears throat> saw kind of the drop off of yeah. people on the fringe or interested. Um, and so we would start we really did like interest parties and community events. But then we kind of just scaled it back and, and had this thing called open table where we would just invite people that we had met to our house. And it was yeah. smaller groups. But again, higher return and more of that Love kind it. of relational equity to, to kind of build that team out. Um, And so by the time our goal always was January of 2021 to launch. Um, So January, 2021, we were going to launch as we got closer. It was probably that three month spot. We realized, okay, the school that was literally right by our house, they are not allowing anyone in currently. So we either can do this. We've been meeting for a year. We can push this thing another six months and Mm -hmm. look at the fall, or we can move forward and figure something out because these people are like, okay, we're called a launch team. But like, we've been doing this for a year. Are we launching anything? Like, what are we doing? And so so we got to move them towards a mission, right?
1: Yeah. So before, before you get to that though, uh, you said y'all been meeting basically for a year. So I'm just curious for, for people that are listening that are maybe pre-launch, what, what were you doing? Um, when you say meeting, what all were y'all, were y'all talking through? Were you investing in? How many people were a part of that for that, that first year? How did you break that down? Um, yeah. I would, yeah, And I guess
2: um, the year was the process. That was like individual conversations. But I remember it was mm-hmm. May of 2020 where we had that first um, initial meeting. So that's about, what, seven, eight months um, from that launch date. And so we would do some sort of community event once a month. Um, we had a movie night. Um, we did a worship night, which uh, a smart man named Sweb told me, <laughs> do not do that, bro. Don't do a worship <laughs> night. And I was like, does he really know? Like, it's going to be great it was off. Like I remember standing in the back. First of all, we started We started 40 minutes late. Like it was, oh, a, train it, it was a train wreck. But we had other things. It was all fine. And I'm rationalizing it. But I, I do remember standing in the back. It was an outdoor event. Me and my wife were standing in the back and I was like, we just burned this thing into the ground. This is over before it started. I literally remember thinking that it was that bad, but it, it all came good. together. Jesus was there. Everything was good. So, um, but community <laughs> events like that, um, ice cream socials. Um, so those would be once a month. And then we would do, once our team started coming together, we would do team trainings um, and team nights once a month as well. So really we were asking our people like two times a month, you're committed. One, you're bringing people to, and you're helping host and put on the event, you're serving and, and figuring that out. And then the other one is, we're gonna start developing you <clears throat> as leaders in that. And so all the way through, and then once we hit um, once we hit that kind of three year mark or three month mark from where we were gonna launch, we had about, I'd say 75 people. Um, this was probably another conversation I had with Sweb where the the growth of our team was going to dictate our launch date. Like it, the goal yeah. was always January, but I, I knew it, the, the drop dead number was 50. If we had any less okay. than 50 adults, we weren't cool. doing it. Like we had to push it. And yeah. and 75 was a healthy number where I was like, this, this would be really strong if we could get there. And so we were in that wheelhouse. Now the problem was we didn't have anywhere to go. Um, and I have a friend who has a church about 45 minutes away. They planted actually in Apex eight years ago and then moved. And he actually has a second location in mm-hmm. Apex. And so they have a permanent building, a small six, 7,000 square foot building that works great for their location. And the conversation started where we'd started doing team nights there. Um, on like Friday or Saturday nights, we were doing team nights there. And as we got closer, I just I just floated the idea. I said, hey, what what would it look like for us to launch our church on Saturday nights in your facility? Um, and he was like, let's do it. Like, it sounds great. And And so it was at that moment where there was a shift in, in concept. I knew it wasn't going to be the big epic launch that I, that every church planner thinks of and wants and dreams of. At this point, I made a conscious decision. Our team did to say, let's give our launch team something to sink their teeth in on a weekly basis. Yeah, obviously we're still going to invite people. Obviously we want sure. to people to come, but this is just something to start moving like almost like training wheels. Um, yeah. Even our launch team, it was very new to the church world. I think we've baptized over half of our launch team since we launched. And so it was really a season of several months where our launch team needed this um, to kind of figure out what it looks like to serve. What does it look like to give? What does it look like to be consistent with going to church um, on a regular basis? And so that's what that season looked like. And, um, and it was a good season. There were times um, even to this day. So that was last summer where June, July, Saturday at five o'clock in June is an awful time for church. Like people are at the (laughs) pool, people are hanging out. Like again, go back to the worship night. I remember standing in the back of that room with maybe 40 something people in it thinking, this is, this is not working, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> you're valuing the people who were there. Yes. But, but again, you have to temper expectations. And just about that time <clears throat> where we were like, okay, we got to figure something out last, like last July schools opened back up and we're like, Hey, we're, we're available for rent if you're still interested. Hmm. And and last August we made the shift from Saturday nights to Sunday mornings, which was huge.
1: Okay, so before we get to that, I've got yeah. I have wrote down a bunch of questions. Um, you just like went through so much. <laughs> I know I got a couple of thoughts. Great, I'm, I'm gonna I'm just Go gonna just I'm just gonna start with them. Okay, so okay, just rapid um, fire, rapid rapid fire. I got four real quick for you. Yeah, why was the worship night so bad? <laughs> I just need to hear. I need to hear more details because I, I I feel like it's gonna be funny.
2: Cause we started late, like, first of all, like that was like, we're like, we're like, excellence is our spirit. Like, honor, like oh, no.
1: all these things. and then like, <laughs> oh, no. it just
2: started, And maybe it wasn't 40, maybe it felt like 40 minutes. It probably was like 15 to 20. Um, but to Sweep's point, like an, an outreach event like that, a community event where you're trying to get people like you're trying to get unchurched people in. Right. Yeah. So like, and I think Austin, you and I have even talked about this cause you, you steered away from it. Like a worship <laughs> night before your church doesn't make sense because people aren't there. Like they don't know, like, they Well, unchurched people stream. love
1: they, worship, right?
2: Right. So like that's where <laughs> it was just a bunch of like friends and people like that. Like we really did an impact. I, I shouldn't say that. There was one couple who comes to our church to this day who was at their house. It was at this nature park with a pavilion or an amphitheater kind of type thing. They lived across the street, heard the music and came to it. Um, and they're mm. there to the church. So it was a success. Look at that. Um, it was okay. great, but it just didn't work for that time. <laughs> now,
0: worship worship nights are great.
2: Worship <laughs> nights are great now. Like after you plant, have worship nights, <laughs> first Wednesdays, whatever you want to yeah. call three it. Three a week. Like, yeah, for knock sure. it yeah, out. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. Continue to rapid fire. All right. You, you said um, that you wanted to give something for people to like bite their teeth into. So as far as, doing the Saturday night and going ahead and launching. So I'm curious if, from your perspective, if you thought that, do you think that people would have left had you not started something? Um, And then a second part of that is how many of those people that were there at your launch are now gone? Like on the launch team? Yeah.
2: Um, Okay, I'll I'll say this. A lot of our launch team was a part of a larger church. And and by, by a part, here's what I mean. They went once a month. Um, hmm. Maybe twice a month, and, and they would attend here and there. When COVID hit, that was really a great opportunity because now they were no longer connected to there. They saw like I wasn't even actually really involved. Like, is that my yeah. church? Like, things. And so, what this was an opportunity was to allow them to make that sh- step and that shift to say, what does it look like to be a part of the church? So, to answer your question, I felt like we were getting to the point where we were going to start reinforcing some really bad habits, where they were associating New Life Church with. Oh, we do things once a month. We do things twice a month because that's what we were doing, and so we needed to make that shift to say no. Like, let's let's put our money where our mouth is. Like, uh, let's see what it looks like to now really be committed. You're giving. You're being a part of these things, but like, yeah, what does consistency look like of Mm. being a part of this? And and are you interested in this level? And so that was a really good um, opportunity. And then I think we're an anomaly. Again, had a lot of really strong relationship and relational connections. Um, So out of those seventy five adults, I'd say. 60 to 65 are still there. The ones who aren't there, I'm not going to pick on a generation, all 18 to 25, right? Like that, that crew who's who's moved yeah. on. Like they're like- You're just going to accurately
0: describe
1: a generation. Yeah. Not gonna yeah.
2: No. yeah, I'm not going to pick on them. I'm just saying like, oh, they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, i want to be on the worship team. And then they were there for a little bit and then they just moved on to the next thing.
1: Yeah, man, kids, I don't know anything things. about that. That's yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So our, our so, demographic
2: <laughs> is young families, um, young professionals. And, and they, I mean, once they kind of got into it, I do feel like that two-year mark, and maybe you can speak to this, Austin, like we're coming up to that where- people start to not, I don't use the word burnout, but like start to kind of like, for whatever reason, just in our culture, like, oh, what's the next thing and things like that. So I think that's the new challenge is like, okay, how do we keep the vision in front of them, keep them consistent, but excited about, about what they get to be a part of.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with that, man. We we felt like an anomaly too, for the first year. And then, and then after the first year, six months in, it was like, six months into the year two, it was like, Oh shoot. Okay. We're not, people are leaving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so totally get that. And then last rapid fire question for you, cause these are so fast and rapid, um, is <laughs> you said 50, you wanted to get to 50 yeah. and I know organizations like ARC will like require you to have 55 to be a part of it. And then okay. I've talked to Sweb before about like Furtick wanted 72 or, or something like that. And we had a number in our mind as well. And I'm just curious if if 50 just made you feel like, okay, this is a group of people or did you have roles for all 50 people? Did you come there in like a very practical way or was it just 50 sounds good? Um, I'm just curious yeah, on that. Yeah,
2: 50, 50 just sounded good. It was just a nice round Let's number. Go. I was like, you know what?
1: I <laughs> love is, that. This is solid. I feel <laughs> like we could
2: do this with this. We'll place the people where we do and then and then go from
0: yeah. there. yeah. <laughs> Let's go, um, dude. I mean, this may be an obvious question, but or an obvious answer, but you know, you you said you know we're in the back of that worship night and play, we're burning this thing down. It's done before it starts. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, I, I would think a lot of people probably do that. I, I find a lot of real estate yeah. agents. Uh, you know, three months ago we're standing in the back of that worship room as a church planner. Now they're now they're selling real estate. You know, is some of that just because of how you're built or is that, you know, some of that that selection process stuff where you said, man, I was just trying to get through breakfast and I'm just trying to get through this activity. Is that how you view it now too? Okay, let's just get to the end of this worship night and let's get to this week. How, do you, do you kind of chunk the month or chunk your church planning process similar to how you try to survive selection process?
2: Oh, that's a good, I never actually thought about that, but I guess almost subconsciously, yeah, like just kind of seeing the next target of opportunity in front of you. Um, we've talked about this before, like a target enriched environment is great. I mean, there's a ton of targets to shoot at, right? Like a ton of opportunities, but you have to put them in priority. Like if I got a target at 25 meters and a target at 300 meters, again, and we're talking about real threats and I start engaging the one at 300 meters. Well, that's not efficient because the one at 25 meters is gaining ground on me. And like, that's the real threat. So I have to start from front to back. I have to start with the immediate threat and work systematically through it. So you can't get enamored with the the 15 targets out in front of you. You have to then look at it systematically and say, okay, I'm going to engage these. It's going to look chaotic, but I'm going to do it in a systematic manner. We even talked about that of, of like walking through yeah. a system instead of just saying, well, yes. oh, here are all of our goals. Let's do all these things, but there's
0: there's, mm-hmm. there's a process to it. Man, you, so that's all real smart. Everybody needs to stop, repeat the last yeah. minute of everything you just said because a lot of people would say that. A lot of people would think that. Yeah. They're not, first of all, they're not using the, the term <clears throat> target rich environment. They're saying, I'm surrounded. This sucks. Uh, but that's the difference in somebody in special forces who says, well, yeah, that's great. Now I have something to shoot at. Uh, and I remember you saying that when we were going through the CQB building uh, there, when I came out to your base is you're like, this is kind of the point. Um, yeah. And it, you're trained in a way to, to do what you said, the prioritization thing. So I would just challenge everybody, man, seriously hit pause. And then you need to write out your targets. Yeah. And so good. They're in this target rich environment, but they don't actually first, again, they're not saying the phrase. They're not consciously thinking it that way. And then when they do, it's still just thinking like, I'll just wing it as I go, which is why you do have church planners. that are like, cool, I'm going to buy a building, but I can't put 12 people in my living room.
2: Like right. that's a 300
0: yeah. yard, that's a 300 meter target versus a yeah. 25 meter target. It's like, hey, no, that's good. Be aware of it, but sweet mother, go in some sort of priority order. So that was just real sharp what you just said. I think it's real helpful and practical to the church planner. And I think it's owner.
2: harder. It's harder to do in the church world because there's it, it's it's so th- this podcast says it all. Like right, one size fits none. So like right. there's like you're like, oh well, maybe we do get like, is that the next step? And so sifting through that is, is it takes a lot of a lot of intention and, and discernment to just kind of walk through that and counsel from wise people who can help and been there before.
1: Yeah. So can you? I love that man. Target-rich environment. So can you walk us through an example of that that you've used uh, for like growth? Because I'm imagining that target-rich environment it, it it applies to okay. There's a problem. There's a problem. Which one is more immediate? But then also I'd imagine that it would it would apply to helping someone move from yeah. step A to step Z. Yeah. So yeah.
2: And I I would say it's almost like um like in our leadership structure, we were very slow to put leaders in place. We would give them Mm -hmm. responsibilities and kind of see how that goes. But even our process now, like we put leaders in place and we started this whole process, but I feel like it was kind of the cart before the horse Um, because now we have some people operating at a director slash staff level. Um, And then we also have volunteer leaders. So we're, we're looking to step back in some of those areas with the volunteer leaders, pour into our staff director levels and allow that to kind of trickle down downhill. And so figuring out like, oh, well, why did we start all the way down here doing all these events for volunteers and trying to do that when we're not even pouring into this direct group that if we do pour into them, we'll be able to influence those people mm-hmm. on a more practical um, relational level. So I think it's just kind of sifting through that and not being afraid to, to kind of, for lack of a better understanding, like get out of your scope, right? Like if I'm in my right. scope on a, on a rifle, all I can see is that 300 minute target. So I started engaging it, That's but great. can I can I stop? Can I can I get out of that scope for a second and take a great. big view of what I am seeing and say, "Oh shoot, no, I got to I got to shift from there." A lot of times you are like, "Nope, I already started engaging it," like I just got to stick with it. You can you can pull back a little bit and and kind of readdress a, a threat that is either popped up or that you didn't identify in the first place.
1: That's so good, man. That's Did you um, so when y'all launched in January of twenty one on yeah. Saturday nights? Um, what so just like practically, what was some some wins from that? What was the attendance? Did you have the typical church like drop off after six weeks? Um, what was that yeah. like for Saturday nights?
2: So, Saturday nights we launched, we launched with two because it was a smaller building. We launched with two worship gatherings with the intent that we were, that wasn't the norm, that was just for launch and then we go to one at five. So, we launched with two um, and had 183 people um, between the two. So, launched with that. And then we really settled for the next probably five weeks around that 110 mark or so. So it was still above half, which was a goal, like was to kind of stay at that 60 mark. And then summer hit and it was, it was depressing. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then when we August, August 1st, so it's almost been a year. So I'm really excited to kind of see apples versus apples this next year of comparing and looking at numbers. But um, when we moved and made the transition to um, Sunday mornings, in in August of last year, um, really like 100 adults and 40 kids became our floor. Like we knew we weren't mm-hmm. really going below that. We have a couple times throughout the summer, but we continue to kind of see between 150 and 200. Um, I think you and I talked like Easter this year for both of us. It was the first time that we had surpassed yeah. our launch number, um, mm-hmm. and I think we had <laughs> yeah. 200 238 or, or something like that on Easter and stuff. So uh, kind of stay around that that mark. Um, and, and kind of stay consistent. I think that's our, our word right now for really the first three years is just building in that consistency and being someone for people and allowing that to kind of drive growth as, as a
0: result. Dude, mm. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, winding down just a little bit, give, give us a couple of examples of things you wish you would have done different or not at all, just looking back, besides the worship night. <laughs> uh, but like, <laughs> you know, now that you're... <laughs> Now that you're a veteran, man, you're you're an expert now, you've seen this stuff, you know, what, what would you obviously encourage other people to do, but put it in, you know, kind of first person story, yeah. what, what would you do uh, differently or not at all?
2: No, I think, I think it would have been. Kind of using, and probably the second smartest person I know, um, Joel Delf. Met um, yeah. him at Elevation. If I was yeah, talking to him, he, he'd be the first. He'd smartest. be the first. I was, yeah, yeah, I know that. get it. Yeah, because like, I'm talking to you. He's the yeah, he and I
0: actually have talks <laughs> all the time about who who your real friend is. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. It's
2: okay. So I remember him saying when I stepped out because I was looking at military to ministry, like, okay, this season's over, to the ne- the a new one, like a whole new season, got to start over and everything. And he was like, no, it's not a new season; it's just the next one, like don't take those 12, 13 years of experience and just put it on a shelf, like use that Mm. to build on. Um, And I did that when I first got out, but even in the the church planting process, like leveraging those experiences and that understanding, I think I could have done a lot better. Like for example, with giving, right? Like I could have leaned in earlier on with giving. I remember you and Mm. I had a conversation where you were like, you sent me a voice memo and you were like, bro, like, yeah, we've talked about giving. We've talked about tithing. We've talked about fundraising. And you were like, you have never physically directed asked me to give to your church. And he's yeah. like, and if, if you're not asking me as a friend, like, yeah. what are you doing? Right. And I just remember, like, I've literally taken 12 dudes, convinced them to go into situations where like, <laughs> I don't know if you're coming back, for, right? like, it's a coin right. flip at this point, like, and, hmm. and, and got them to move in that direction. And yet I can't, like, I can't be direct with people to be like, Hey, I need you to give to this. Like, right. like I would be like, Hey, would love if you want to partner with us financially, you don't have to, if you want, it would probably yes. fail. Like it's fine. Right. Like, and so I had to go back into that, that understanding. And really it was coming from the fact right. of, um, I have this thought that I keep going back to that, that confidence, we all know confidence comes from the Lord, right? Like that's where it comes from, yeah. but practically like confidence comes from competence. Mm. Like the more competent you are in something, you're going to be confident in it. And so that's right. I had to yeah. draw off of those experiences And instead of being like, I don't know a lot about ministry and I don't know about this, but like what life experience I do have will, will kind of help drive that confidence to be able to approach people. So I think being more direct, um, Going a lot kind of deeper and and, and a little harder into things um, to kind of set that tone um, for the team initially would have been easy. That was a big thing with planting in the area that we were from. Like everyone knew the wallers and we hung out in the backyards and, and mm. went to the pool together and we're all friends. So like there had to be that distinct shift. Um, Not like that weird honor thing or whatever like that where they're all impressed or whatever, but like how how do you become that role in their life? How how do you make that transition? And so I think being a lot more direct and and focused on that would help.
0: Dude, I just want to point out what you said. That's – again, Frick, go rewind two minutes and listen to that again if you're listening because you – I mean, listen, I'm a professional Christian, right? And Austin and I have similar – upbringings or whatever else. I've never stood in front of somebody and said, go through that room. I don't literally, literally know if you're coming back out. That's, that's literally the kind of life you used to lead. And it's fascinating to me that we can't just ask people direct questions yeah um hey sir hey would you grab that trash can real quick and take that out rather than hey man if you think about it on your way out like even (laughs) even that stuff we just can't give direction and one of the best things i've ever known and heard from somebody else who i I mean i take a lot of credit for it now because it's just a great line to try to live by but listen if you want to lead like Jesus, you have to be willing to make unreasonable requests. Yeah, that's great. And you got church planners and pastors who that's they that's all they've ever known. They did not have a military background, much less banking or insurance or anything else. Right. And they're apologizing for the giving because I remember the conversation I'm, you're talking about. I sat on my front porch in my Florida house, and I remember sending you messages like, "Hey, I, I'd give, but you never told me to. You just told right. me about giving." Yeah. And and that has nothing to do with sending somebody into a building where there's IEDs and bullets. It's crazy. Right. So. And that-
2: and that conversation yeah. led to really a great thing for us. Like everyone, yeah. like something that we did great was everyone and Austin, maybe you did it. I thought about doing it like 30 K in 30 days, 20 K in 20 days, yeah. like all of yeah. those things. And yeah. we were going in that direction. And I finally thought like, okay, sweb's favorite word community, like, the church is because the church is has like ruined community, right? Like, totally has. Yeah. Like, community has become, oh, hot dogs and hangouts. Like, this is just mm-hmm. what we do. But there was a shift in my mind. Like, community had to be more than hot dogs and hangouts. Like, we had to move people in a direction. And so we decided yeah. to do a fundraising campaign called the 300. Um, I guess yes. based on that movie and that story. Yeah. Um, that's what so, said, yeah. That's just I picked. So, we picked the 300, and here was the goal of it not to raise a specific amount of money, but to engage 300 people would either start routinely giving to the church or just give once. I didn't care what yeah. they gave. We were going to trust God that if we got 300 people to give, God would take yeah. care of the amount and that would be fine. That's and so right. after that conversation with Sweb, it was literally voice. It was because I was like, oh, I, I did an Instagram post. Why are not people giving to the church? Right. Don't they? want right. Like it had to be voice memos, emails, sit downs, coffees, phone calls and stuff like yes. that to say, hey, Almost to the point where it's like, I don't care what you get. That's really between you and your wife and God or whatever. But like at this point, you'd be like, why would you not be a part of this and be able to kind of be on the the, the ground floor, the foundation of what God's doing here?
1: So let uh, me ask you a question uh, on that. Yeah. Uh, Because I feel like there's a lot of church planters that push into that Mm pre-launch. And then post-launch, you start having church. And yep. every Sunday you're saying, thanks for your generosity, and we're so <laughs> yeah. grateful, and it's making a difference, and blah, blah, blah. Here's a little video, you know, whatever. Uh, and and so Sarah and I, we sat down with hundreds of people yeah. individually over coffee and said, give us your money. Good, we need yeah. it for this church to start. Um, and I'm just curious, did you did you continue to do the voice memos, texts, that kind of thing? Because a lot of church planners do that pre-launch. Yeah. But what about post? And what what does that look like?
2: No, we didn't. And I would say that is single-handedly probably the biggest mistake of church planners in general as far and, and myself, like you do all of this stuff that works to get people to be a part of your church. Then you start a church and you say, let's do something yes, different. Like the goal is still it. the same. <laughs> and so like, so like, don't stop uh, doing like yes. the movie nights. Don't stop doing the worship. Okay. Maybe the worship nights, but like, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, like yeah. don't start doing like the open tables and that like, like yeah. We just stopped doing that to include literally engaging people on one-on-one and, and kind of challenging them to, to continue to give and, and, and stuff like that. So I think that's something that we're evaluating right now. Again, a year and a half in, you're like, man, why? Like, it takes that long to realize like, yeah. man, we stopped doing a lot of stuff that worked and are trying to do other stuff that maybe it works, but like, why are we trying to reinvent something and just continue to do what we're, we're good at?
0: Um, all right. I'm going to give you the last word if you want to give any sort of encouragement or challenge, but while you think about it. I just want to say a couple of things. One, again, dude, thank you for being a good leader, uh, one. Um, and, of course, serving in the military. You know, I'm a big fan of that and appreciate that service. But I love that you've done two big, epic things. You, you did that service voluntarily in the military and a hard level of it, not that anybody else is not. I'm just saying, like, you, you went to a next level. And then you decided, hey, I'm going to go to something – Hard, equally frustrating, maybe more frustrating, and go start a church. So I appreciate <laughs> that. I mean, you're a good example for a lot of reasons. So, thank you for that. Um, also, I want to just clarify that because you did ask me to give, I sent you a check after that, I'm pretty sure. So, sure, to, yes. from, from a place of integrity, say, like, hey, yeah, no, I, I put yep. my money where it was. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, you said it. I was like, fine, all right. Well, he said to give, and he, he has Picker guns. Didn't we'll see. <laughs> you need, need receipts. <laughs> right. So, um, so there's that. Uh, but everything today has been real helpful and real strong. <laughs> Again, before I give you the last word, I do want to ask a question, though, that's off the topic of church planning. Dude, you you're you look 29. You're obviously healthy. Yeah. But you're, an, you're an expert dad of a freaking teenager or two or on oh, the way to yeah. two. And you've been married 20 years, bro. Give us, give us 10 seconds of dad or marriage advice, man, because you've got to be an expert on those things.
2: I think it's bringing like your kids into like what? like into your leadership, right? Like that, that phrase I said, where confidence comes from competence. I've just had this conversation with our son. That's great. Um, he's, he's going into 10th grade and like middle school, weird. Like kids are weird in middle school. Just know that. But <laughs> high school, a switch like flipped. He's played soccer his whole life. And just now, like he literally is up at 8am, going to the fields, working out by himself, for two hours, three times a day and stuff like that. And so he's really put in a lot of work. And we had this opportunity to go to this college camp slash showcase um, out in Charlotte. And I remember driving there and telling him like that exact same thing. Like, Hey, listen, you've put in a lot of work physically. You have matured and and gotten better in a lot of things, but unless mentally you, you get out of that place that you used to be in, you you don't stand a chance. And so get that confidence from understanding and, and renewing your mind, like scripture would say of like, no, I, I I have done this, and now my confidence is going to meet kind of those skills. And I saw, I think it's just bringing your kids in um, to the process. Um, yeah. They they absolutely love the church. Um, there's days where they probably love it a lot more than me, and that's what <laughs> kind of keeps us going because um, <laughs> right. they can't imagine life without getting there at six thirty and helping set up mm-hmm. this or, or running that and stuff like that. And so just allow them to be a part of the process and, and a part of the a part of the team.
0: Dude. All right, that's man. Good. Do you have any last parting shots or encouraging words you want to no, tell? No, I think
2: that's good, man. I just, I would say you made that good comment. Like I, it would, if I had to put up the first year of church planning or the whole process up against that, that 32 mile ruck march to end mm. selection, I would go back and do that 32 mile ruck march every time. <laughs> um, it, it's no joke. So you got, it has to be something that, that you have to, you have to, again, know your why, go back to, to that, that moment. I go back to that moment in my office with Heidi, time and time again and, and understand like no like that was a moment that we knew yeah. that we knew and even on the days where we don't know if it's going to work or we don't know if we want to do it having having that time to go back to that moment will, will get you through the next day and the next day and the next day
0: dude that's real good Keith freaking waller thanks for uh changing guys the thank good you no, huge fun, it's
2: awesome